This is the very first Postmodern Café um, in 2024. And I'm here with uh, Rudy and we have a guest, uh, Hugo Verfeer. Hi, Rudy. Hi, hi Hugo. Hi, hi everyone. <laughs> okay, great to, great to have you. Um, yeah, we are talking about um, the role of the data analyst today based on a concrete project um, that Hugo has performed at the health insurance company uh, Vegiset. And um, yeah, be before we do that, I just want to remind you all that you can talk with us while we are on the air. Um, so uh, just below this video where you're watching this right now, you can enter the chat. Uh, you don't need an account or anything. Just provide your name and you don't need a password. And yeah, you're in there and um, you can add any questions or comments that you have um, while we are talking about this. And we keep an eye on it and, and bring it up throughout the And the cafe. Um, now to yeah to get started, maybe uh, we can yeah we can talk a little bit about the project. Um, that yeah, how did it how did it get started? What triggered the the project in the first place? Hugo. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, well, first of all, thank you for uh, for the invite. Uh, good to be here. Um, so there was actually the the first project that we took on as a team. So we were formed as a well data analytics team from a larger uh, team of people working with data. So people doing some dashboarding uh, and some people were doing like analysis. So we created this team analytics within uh, within Set, And we decided upon that we wanted to do something like collectively as a start of well, this new team. And Uh, we were thinking about what, what can we do, where can we bring some value to the business, and we decided to do like a um, kind of a like different type of analysis with respect to complaints, because uh, from one side, like complaints are quite interesting. Um, they are a very rich source of like valuable data, because yeah. um, we can see uh, where complaints are coming from. What people are complaining about so we can do some like nlp type of techniques on the complaints itself to see yeah, what, what they are complaining about um, we were also looking into where people actually uh, put in the complaints so in the website we did some benchmarking with different organizations to see how their like landing page on the website looked like so very different style and types of analysis yeah. so that we were all working on the same like overarching theme complaints yeah. and me together with two colleagues actually uh, decided that we should also definitely do some process mining on um, actually handling the complaints as well yeah. so that was just part of this whole big uh, package of looking at complaints with respect to figures that's really that's really interesting right because um, yeah often we say that process mining can be used together with different data analysis techniques and there yeah you 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 had that context very much so looking at That data from all kinds of angles, and then post mining is one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah so maybe for a little bit of context, so so Vegas is a health uh, health care insurance uh, yeah. company, right? Sure. So yeah, it's a, it is every country has a slightly different way to organize their healthcare insurance. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit uh, about how it's done here in the Netherlands? There you go. Uh, yeah, so um, here is actually uh, everybody has to have a, uh, like a healthcare insurer. Uh, so we have like different like products, services that we offer. Um, also kind of based on different uh, well population targets. So we have some 
products that are more, I would say, like for elderly or people that are heavy uh, healthcare takers, for example, or, or even students. That would be like more like a budget version. Um, and you kind of, yeah, you pay this like monthly fee and then you're insured for things that happen to you. Uh, we have like this, what we call like the base insurance. And uh, that just ensures that if you need healthcare just for your health, that you can go kind of you know, almost anywhere to get you fixed up in a way uh, and it will be insured. And then we have like this uh, additional packages, for example, for these or whatever it is that you uh, that fits well your budget your needs these type of things um and yeah so in a way uh, if you look at complaints they can come from like multiple sources in a way so uh, if i were to go to uh, for example a dentist and i would just walk in uh, make a picture of my teeth to, to as a consult to see what would be the next steps um i have to pay this dentist uh, if it's like a, on a very uh, emergency type of uh, of consult, um, yeah, and you can actually make a picture of the of the receipt, send it to your healthcare insurer, you would get it reimbursed. That would be like the normal way. Um, sometimes you do not get it fully reimbursed due to well the agreements that you have with your uh, with your insurer, uh, and it could be the case that then somebody is complaining, right? So I'm I'm not like satisfied or I disagree with the fact that you do not fully reimburse these, these type of things can happen. Yeah. 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 And if you are looking at, at complaints, so of course, yeah, different companies, uh, depending on what kind of product or service they offer, they have some kind of uh, complaint uh, process. Um, so, so how does it work in, in, in general? Um, yeah. So, so it, it, if you yeah. are a customer and then you you have a complaint, for example, what what would you typically do? Yeah, and yeah, so it, maybe let's yeah. look at it from a design perspective, right? So we are, of course, yeah. when you analyze it, we are, we will see like how it really looked like. But you, yeah, you probably have some documented process. So maybe we can walk through that first before we go into the analysis in more detail. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, what Rudy asked is uh, if a customer has a complaint, then they can either cause that would not be the, the um, yeah so that is one way to actually file your complaint right so you would actually speak to a, a spokesperson of uh, of us and then you kind of say what uh, you're complaining about and either this person fills out this form after the call with respect to the information what the complaints about then it's like a uh, like a real complaint uh, but I think that the the way uh, that we're supposed to work is to actually try to tackle the complaint right away, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're just talking to them, try to uh, solve the issue immediately. Uh, that's the, the preferred way and what we also try to do, right? To, to be there for uh, for our customers. Uh, or Otherwise, there's also like an entry on the website, for example, like this particular page uh, where you can actually file a complaint, uh, mm -hmm. where you can actually state uh, what the complaint is and what and also like a section uh, what you expect from us with respect to that uh, yeah. with that yeah. complaint so that that's more from like a customer perspective if they have a complaint um and the more like internal process that we have if there is a complaint um so they, they're all gathered in a way people look at the complaint they uh, try to figure out like what the uh, subject is of the complaint what the cause is of the complaint these type of things are all like filled out in, uh, in in this case, uh, in Salesforce, like the 
um, that's also what I see as a data analyst. Yeah. This type of like uh, like resource information with respect to a complaint, um, like of course like client number because we need to know who it is. Um, these type of things. Um, then they're actually, yeah. So to say that then they're laying there uh, and they have to be put in progress. Um, so we have like uh, the, yeah colleagues of mine that actually uh, process all these complaints. So if they have time, they take a complaint, they put it into progress, they work through the complaint to actually get it handled. Uh, and that, I would say, like the most like straightforward process there would just be to put it into progress. So uh, I pick up a complaint, I put it in progress. Uh, I would call the customer to see uh, what is going on uh, and then form an answer and then finish it. That would be the like most straightforward three, four step type of uh, uh, process with respect to uh, handling the complaints. Yeah, and are, are there some some legal or uh, European guidelines, for example, for this process? We could can imagine that they have uh, already guidelines for complaints processors, right? So, I think. Uh, um, so, so are there things they have to keep in check at least, or to report out on? Uh, eventually, we have to report out on like the amount of uh, complaints that we have as an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure with respect to the process that we actually have to uh, have a particular step in place. Um, I, I'm not sure. No, but regarding the time. So if I submit a complaint, should you respond within 30 uh, yeah. days or but 60 days? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether that's whether, what the, like the, the, the legislation is in a way, uh, but I know that we on the website have, well, we have like a particular uh, amount of days in which we say we uh, get in touch. Um, so it cannot be that if you have a complaint that uh, that it would take like one month before it's, it's being processed. Uh, yeah. So we have these agreements. Uh, and that's that's actually kind of like agreement that we have with our clients. Right? Yeah. 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 So it's your promise, it right? Your promise yeah, to it, your it, customers. It's, yeah. it's type of a promise. So if they hand in a complaint, it's, it's on the website there that like a couple of days uh, that we uh, process it and uh, get in touch. Yeah. Okay, very good. And maybe um, one question I was, uh, one thing I was curious about. So you mentioned the complaints process is a good process, um, very rich data source, um, also for these types of analytics, um, different types of analytics techniques and to analyze. But was there also a question from the people working in the complaints process that they wanted to gain more insights? Yes. Um, so there's actually... Uh, um, there was like a, a process designed, mm-hmm. architectural design of the process, but there are actually questions with respect to, um, let's see how we do our work, what we are actually doing. Because um, the, the gut feeling there was that everybody had kind of made a process of their own, how to go from like, put it into progress to it actually being finished or handled. So uh, very different ways of going from, like A to Z. Uh, so that was one of the questions in the beginning. Um, so what I referred to in the beginning that we as a team did like a lot of different type of analysis with respect to complaints. Um, there, like we, we had this iterative sessions with the stakeholders also from the complaints department yeah. to discuss 
like this is what we are going to do uh, what do we need to uh, take into account what can we expect these things so in these discussions it actually became clear that it would be nice to just know how we are actually doing our work because um, the belief there was that that it was going quite okay but maybe not in a uh, that everybody was working like mono in a way like doing the same thing all over again uh, so if for example if Rudy would also handle cases and he would get sick that I could just immediately jump in and know oh he's at step four I can do step five six seven because yeah. there was a lot of like variability at least to believe because we didn't make it visual yet so uh, yeah. yeah yeah of course that's the benefit then from having a more standardized process right that Yeah, it's more consistent yeah. and uh, easier to replace people and things like that. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. Great. And it sounds like you had the the ideal conditions because we all uh, working in process mining know how important it is, right, to have the, the subject matter experts on board and interested in this type of analysis because we can't do it without them. So it sounds like you had their interest for sure. Indeed, yeah. No, for, yeah, that's, uh, I would say, a really nice thing. Also looking back at all our... Uh, other initiatives uh, this is really nice that we had a um, like stakeholders that were willing to uh, to definitely see what the process looked like because that can also be scary right because mm -hmm. um, you're part of it yes. or you're managing it um, you never know what you <laughs> what you dig up in a way um, so that, that was good no we were lucky yeah lucky there uh, yeah. And then what was the kind of the role or the question that uh, was posted to you as a data analyst? Was um, there already a project going on or uh, did yes. you, were you the person who did kind of take the initiative to kick off the whole initiative? Um, I would say the um, when we decided upon uh, first internally with our team of analysts, uh, like what can we do? With respect to complaints, then we ended up like at this like, kind of like popcorn style uh, type of things. So, oh, we can do this, we can do that, and there was also process mining there involved. Uh, and then then it was more like, okay, let's see what the process looks like. Can we find some like potential interesting uh, insights? Uh, so that was like a really broad perspective on that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then in the first uh, sessions together with the stakeholders, uh, it became clear that it was like, okay, let's see how we are actually doing our work, what steps are we actually taking. Um, so that was more from a, um, um, yeah, also like a kind of a broad approach. Mm -hmm. um, and then like more specific was, I think it was based a bit on gut feeling that there might be something with respect to uh, if medical advice is involved within a complaint, um, that it would, that it took too much time to get it from in progress to actually being finished. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a bit of information that we used to make it a bit more specific, but we started out like f with a very broad, let's just first see what is going on here. Yeah, so, so there was some kind of hypothesis going on, but uh, you were not committing to that yet at that moment. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's quite common, I would say, right? It's, it's a mix often of just... The desire to have a, have an overview of what's going on in the first place, but there are some gut feelings, some hunches based on the domain knowledge of the people involved. So it's a great starting point. Yes. Mm. Okay, so maybe 
what we can do next we we already promised when we announced the, the session we promised some before and after pictures so that's yeah what we uh, wanted to do next to show you um, the beginning and the end of the analysis and um, we will then in the remainder of the session talk more like specifically how did we get from the before to the after but um, yeah let's see if it if it works uh, to share my screen can you can you see my screen I cannot see it, Anna. I but I know what he looked like, right? <laughs> yes, we, if it's visible to you guys out there, we can, yeah, we can, uh, we can still describe it. So because we have, um, yeah, now we, I think now we can see it. Yeah, As, Eric, yeah, Eric yeah, mentions that they are able to see it and Dion as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yes. So um, what we are seeing here is the before picture. So that's kind of one of the first. Um, pictures that you got and um, it's not even the full picture it's just uh, doesn't fit on the screen right so it's a part of it and what you can also see is that the activity slider is really low and not even at 30 percent um, and um, yeah if we are looking at the after picture it's fitting on the whole screen uh, and we see all of the activity so it's a big big contrast right between the 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 first picture and then the last picture um, and a lot of things happened <laughs> to get from this Indeed. before yeah. to the after which mm. we are going to talk much more in no, detail you, you probably complained about the complaint process <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but maybe also even um, uh, yeah the improvement went on even further right just yesterday you brought us uh, updated pictures if we're just looking at january last year and january this year Uh, we also uh, put them up here and next to each other, so it's already yeah much much uh, simpler and cleaner than the initial version. But then even like within this one year, yeah, the process was even more streamlined and um, follows more the the expected process, as you can can see on the right. So yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit with about this before and after so so why was this initial process so complicated and why was it a problem Hugo? um yeah so i think for all the colleagues involved it was clear to like how to go from like a to z in a way uh what they should do because uh, they're the experts on it um but there was like the way you do it um was a bit open. So it's not like a very uh, step one, step two, step three. This is what you have to do in this order uh, type of process. And uh, next to that, the way they kind of um, document it was also uh, different between different colleagues. So some would use notes um, within uh, like case notes, which, could, which were visible in Salesforce, but that would definitely would again be like a different table, different variable where we could pick these notes from. Uh, and others would put it in uh, like a more task activity type of um, uh, entry. Uh, so that's actually what they did. So they knew they had to document what they did, how they get from like in progress to it actually being handled. Uh, but the way they did it was like a, uh, was a bit open. So some would use these notes and then also using the notes, I could say like, okay, I'm calling a client. Uh, somebody else would say, okay, I have an outbound call. Uh, somebody else would say call client 
or client goal or whatever. So there's like a lot of variability in the way uh, it was actually being uh, documented. And that's also what we see in this before uh, type of process map. Because um, we, yeah, then if you, if you, if you can actually um, put in anything you want kind of manually to just document what you did, then yeah, it becomes an insane amount of uh, activity. So we actually had, I think it was 12,000 different activities in 12,000, like yeah. a couple of months with respect to uh, uh, handling complaints. Uh, so we were actually joking about like, it, that, that's almost, it sounds even yeah, almost impossible to have that many activities, uh, different activities with respect to uh, handling a complaint. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of different variations of the same thing because people were writing it down a little yeah. bit differently. Indeed, in different, yeah, at, at different locations and in different style. Also, yeah. yeah, different style, different locations. Um, so yeah, yeah. if it, if it's not in like a uniform format, it becomes very hard to uh, to actually show it in uh, in, in a way in a uniform format, right? Yeah. So. Hmm. There's also a lot of work, right? You know, that they all have their own <laughs> style, indeed. format, process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, indeed. And that's, yeah, so we asked around, like, how come? Um, and people were just saying, like, uh, for example, if you're already really the expert on uh, on handling complaints, and I would go from, uh, for example, like the the call center, um, and I would go like, okay, my next step within this organization would be to handle complaints. Uh, and you would be, kind of my coach or like walk with me for a month to just show me how to do it i would just kind of copy and paste what you do because yeah, and that's yeah. my reality in a way um but then anna would do it differently and she would get like a new apprentice in a way and so yeah that's yeah. how it's actually uh stayed the way it was uh, yeah. probably for quite some time yeah yeah, yeah but maybe met with complaints uh, they, they they can have kind of different backgrounds right and so yeah. so maybe different departments are involved or different people need to kind of evaluate the actual complaints to formulate the right answer right so it's maybe also not something they do uh uh, every day, or or maybe they they are partially involved in handling these complaints, for example. Yeah. So I can imagine that it's not easy to get standard work uh, for these kind of. Uh, indeed, things. no, because so, it depends on the complaint itself, right? So sometimes uh, you have to have a discussion with the uh, payment department. Uh, Another time you have to have a discussion with the for, with respect, for example, to medical advice, or you have to uh, have a discussion with the people from the like the the uh, the insurance uh, side of this organization. So, indeed, very different steps you need to undertake in order to go from A to Z. Um, but then, yeah, if, if you can just write down whatever you did in different formats, in a way, then uh, yeah, you kind of blow up all these uh, activities. Yeah. Way, so, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, now being confronted with these 12,000 activities, what did you do? Did you try to cluster them somehow or clean up that data? What did you try? Yeah, definitely. So because some were just uh, quite quite, uh, uh, quite clear or straightforward what to do. Um, because sometimes if uh, you formulate an answer and then kind of finish the complaint or it's actually being handled, then there might be some like after work or like control activities. And um, people would just put down um, controlling 
whether this happened, controlling whether that happened, controlling whether blah, blah happened. So a lot of diff- different variations, so a lot of different activities. But then uh, luckily, from a data analyst perspective, coding-wise, you can just kind of filter out all these different activities and say, like, if um, a particular activity actually has um, controlling weather, that 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 that, then kind of convert them to controlling activity. Uh, so that definitely helped, but not all things could be clustered. Uh, so we focused on the main things. And this one, for example, was like really straightforward. I could do it. Um, but then there was a lot of like kind of going back and forth between domain experts because some things for me were just unclear to what particular activity it should belong, mm. right? So um, maybe if you're here for, I don't know how long that you already know it, um, even as a data analyst, but I would say that this this definitely uh, um, needed like domain expertise in order to kind of place the oh, activity in the right kind of bracket. Yeah, yes. yeah. So you worked with the, with the domain experts um, to do the clustering for the ones which you couldn't match yourself uh, to put in a right group, like what kind of activity it is. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so we had from, from the start onwards uh, with the stakeholders, the these iterative sessions, uh, we've kind of formed like this working group mm-hmm. uh, and we had like a meeting every couple of weeks to just talk about the progress, um, what we are actually seeing. Um, and that was what you just showed, like the, the before picture. That's not what you want, right? Because there's like so many things flying yeah. around. Uh, you do not know where to begin. Um, we are where is actually the potential um, Uh, the, the p- potential f- for actually improving the process. So we needed to do a couple of things. Well, the first thing that came to mind then was, okay, let's cluster these events to still have like a more, um, yeah, a, a more straightforward process that we could actually analyze yeah. and actually formulate some types of either hypothesis to delve into or otherwise already formulate some some potential improvement. Yeah, maybe a quick question on the clustering. I'm, I'm curious how yeah. far did you get with that? Because I remember we had a, at Prosmining Camp a presentation from Leonard Studer from the city of Lausanne, where they had a similar yeah. situation with one of the, I think, building permit processes, free text data. I think they had 40,000 <laughs> different activities. And yeah. uh, I think they tried text mining and they brought it down to a few thousand or maybe thousand or something, but it was still too much. So in the end, Even after Definitely, clustering, yeah. it was still not usable. So how, how was that for you? How, how did that work out? Um, hard in a way, because uh, I think we, did, we definitely did a good job um, uh, clustering these activities. Uh, but we ended up with, I think it was two or three thousand different activities. Uh, so then we decided, and they were all one. So I made a count, like how many times a particular event was actually, or activity was present within the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, uh, uh, outbound call, a couple of thousand. So that's nice that they're all clustered in there. But then there were also a lot of like ones, right? So a lot of activities that only happen once in a particular time frame. Uh, so for some analysis, we actually decided to make like a cutoff point and say like, okay, we only bring in the activities. So we're only going to show activities that are actually and seven times, for example. Um, But then, on the other hand, you lose a lot of cases. Hmm. 
And yeah, yeah so the, the, there was like a hard trade-off um, to be able to show a quote-unquote normal process that we could actually analyze. Um, but on the other hand, losing a lot of potentially rich data. Yeah, yeah so that, 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 that was hard. Yeah, that was yeah. a yeah. hard... And which strategies did you use? So was it uh, the strategy of mapping, right? So to use partially activity names, so yeah. kind of do it more the text mining type of style, right? So you see Indeed. part of a name and then do the matching. Or did you also use process mining as part of it, right? Because in process mining, you can kind of see where in the order things happen and maybe classify based upon that pr principle, right? So if you know, for example, uh, these activities happen before the decision, then it should be an activity that happens before the decision. Yeah. Otherwise, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah I, I did both. Uh, I think the majority definitely lies on the on the more like text mining uh, type. Um, so for yeah. example, um, uh, I had the example with the control activities type of work, but um, sometimes it would just state like FG, which is like financially genoeg doing so they mm. would get like a particular uh, some 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 sort of like reimbursement uh, so it didn't state like control activity or whatever it is or controlling whether there was actually money sent to the customer or whatever it is it would just state like fg with some numbers um, so that was text mining stuff um, so yeah we had some coding where we just say like everything that has controlling whether mm, happened would be control activity and then we figured out okay there were a lot of like fg with a particular number ah this should also be control activity okay let's put that in control activity but then we had a lot of for example discussion uh, and that's probably something yeah uh, what you're asking about rudy a discussion could happen before actually talking to the client because you yeah. want to discuss with a colleague of the payment department or from the insurance department yeah what you should actually say to the customer uh, but then if you ha had a discussion with the customer there could still be uh, another type of um, discussion happening uh, so therefore we used like a couple of did this already happen then it should be that so it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, if then yeah, st statements yeah. um, chronologically but uh, so that, that's more like a process mining type of clustering. So yeah, we did that as well. Yeah. Yeah. You just have the, the very like abstract like activities that could either be in the beginning or at the end of the process. And if you know what the middle is, then you can still map them, right? So yeah, so your particular example, uh, the discussion before the actual decision could still be gathering additional information, right? as an input yeah. for the decision while the discussion after the decision has been made is kind of the feedback, right? So it could be a learning yeah, loop yeah, yeah, back to yeah, the organization yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 for yeah. Sure. It's, yeah. it's a really nice example that shows like, yeah, sometimes people think about process mining as a very linear uh, approach, but often you use the process mining tool already in the data validation and the data cleaning phase, right? It's an iterative use. So you, yeah. you see, you start with this full data set with uh, 12,000 or how many activities there are, and then you... You condense it, and then what what's left, you can look at it, and then again, iteratively yeah. add to the rules that you have to get it better and better. And I have a question Hugo, for for you from the perspective of of the data uh, analyst. I mean, you are in between the data and the people who are the subject matter experts who you are also relying on to do this kind of grouping, right? So actually, you are looking at 
different versions of the process map with them or maybe different yeah. examples, cases. How was that for you to be like between them and the data and the interpretations maybe that were going yeah. on already? Um, so in a way, again, I think uh, in this particular case, I was very lucky with the stakes or the people I met up with in these iterative sessions because um, I not so much had to convince them about uh, why the data should change in order to make like process insights or process improvements. Because um, from a perspective of the like complaint um, handling colleagues, it makes sense, right, that they have this open field where they can put their notes or their task or whatever. Because if something pops up eventually and you have to kind of re-engineer or check what happened, they could still do it because it's there. Yeah. But from a process and process improvement perspective, it's not okay because hence the 12,000 activities. Um, so luckily, they were also looking for Uh, some insights to improve the process. So uh, they could also set like, okay, no, it's probably going fine. Um, let's leave it at this. But they definitely wanted to have like improvements. Um, so we really set on a course of like yeah, improving the data quality. Um, and of course, that takes time as well. Uh, so again, to come back to your question, Anna, I think I was very lucky with these stakeholders that were... Um, Well, enthusiastic about where we can go with it. Mm -hmm. um, and they were definitely committed to do a lot of things to actually make this happen. Okay. Um, so personally, I did not um, stumbled upon a lot of resistance. Uh, also not from the people who are actually handling the complaints because we in the working group, we had two uh, like people who were like not the managers of the process or the process owner, uh, but really like the, the the colleagues who are handling the complaints. And they just provided information of why they do certain things, what is actually, um, so what is actually a nice way to, for example, report their activities because there still had to be, uh, a choice had to be made whether everybody should put the notes in the notes column, for example, or in the activity column, because we wanted to have this like uniform type of uh, documentation, right? So uh, we definitely use their input. And I think that helps as well in these type of processes, because uh, if you want to change things, it might be good to have a mix between a bit of like bottom up, what is actually what makes sense. Um, and then like also from top down more design type of yeah. thinking about it. It's great that they were enthusiastic. Um, were there maybe a little bit too enthusiastic in the beginning to maybe when the data wasn't good enough yet? Uh, yeah, uh, from uh, I would say from different perspectives. Um, too enthusiastic in, um, and it might be too harsh to say, like jumping to conclusions with respect to what can we do with the data that we already yeah. have. Um, and also a bit too enthusiastic if I think back uh, to it with respect to how fast we could actually have a good process map in place. Not a good process in place, but a good process yeah. map in place. So mm -hmm. um, it, it's not a switch that you just tap or go from, yeah, put on or off with respect to data quality. Yeah. Uh, there have to be like a lot of steps in between in order to get it okay. Um, checks in between to see, are we on the good track? 
Um, is everybody still kind of on board or involved in a way? Uh, so in that sense, yeah, too enthusiastic. Um, and luckily, the enthusiasm stayed up until this moment as well because um, it's a long road to get from the before to the after um, yeah. scenario <laughs> and yeah. with respect to with what we can do with the data uh, there was like a bit of like going back and forth from like my perspective as a data analyst say, okay you can use this data for this particular goal but not for another goal Right. Yeah. So it's kind of risk tolerance with respect to uh, what we are omitting, because we were omitting data. If we say, okay, let's just take all the activities that appear seven times or more. Um, so you get like a basic process, but you miss out on a lot of data as well. You could use it for, um, yeah, if, if something is in the process that shouldn't be there, I would say that's something you can use it for, even though you're actually missing out on still a lot of data. Um because then you can inform all the colleagues like, hey, we need to, we need to do this differently. Uh, but if you really want to like improve with respect to, for example, um, uh, like if in handling a complaint, there is like medical advice involved. And we discussed this like early on uh, in this session that the gut feeling was a bit that they might lead to delays. Uh, and we could actually see in the beginning that if cases had some type of medical advice involved, it would actually take way longer for them to go from in progress to actually being handled or finished. Um, but I didn't dare to point the finger to the ones who actually had to give medical advice because in the beginning we could not see when they actually re requested medical advice as an activity, right? So uh, for that sense, I would say no. Uh, th that's way too enthusiastic to say like, hey, here's going wrong. Um, discuss with then the colleagues from the medical advice to yeah to set up a new type of agreement between the ones handling complaints and medical advice because uh, we needed better data anyway because yeah. yeah, yeah. it, it, i would say like yeah for, and that's then from the analyst perspective that um it's very hard to know like whether a small sample is actually representative for the population in a way um, and then especially since we saw like a high variability, that just means you need more data because uh, if it's changing like all the time and many different variations, then a small sample is not the population. Uh, so, yeah, there was some carefulness from my side about conclusions that we could actually draw from the data in the beginning. Yeah, so, so maybe before we continue looking forward about uh, the change and about how you deal kind of with the data quality aspect of it, there are some questions uh, from the audience. And one of the questions is if you could tell a little bit more about where the data is was coming from. And so what's kind of the source of the where you'd obtain the data and how you get it into the right format, right? So we know, we understand the problem, right, with the data. Yeah. But what lies kind of before you actually were able to get the data? Was it easy? Uh, was it difficult? Um, did you do it yourself or uh, were there others involved? Yes, yeah, to get together with uh, with some colleagues of mine, we, uh, yeah, we always look into if we have like an, a project uh, in this case, like a process mining project, we kind of discuss like, okay, what data do we need? Where do we get the data from? And then 
kind of like, yeah, okay, how do we actually make sure that from these different data sources, we all have like the same identifier? What is the identifier? Because um, there is an identifier, but sometimes it's called like what ID in another um, another data source is called ID. So you need to be knowledgeable about these things. Um, and for me, luckily, uh, I had a colleague who, who uh, already uh, looked into um, this data uh, and actually had a background uh, a bit in complaints as well. Um, so that helped. Um, next slide. So yeah, to, to talk about how we did get the data. So uh, I think eventually we made a in the very early stages, we had to do a lot of things. We had to jump through a lot of hoops to actually get the data. Uh, and that might be something Anna is also going to show later on. But it would actually take, uh, uh, I think the first version was over like 1,000 lines of coding because we need to get data from all different um, tables. Uh, and in this case, like Salesforce tables. Uh, so notes, case history. Um, and we need to all to kind of bind them all together. Um, and now it's way more easier because now it's just with one simple uh, SQL query uh, we could tap into uh, the, the case. Um, the case and task is actually two. So the case is the case information and then task is uh, the activities that they kind of did with respect, to, uh, with respect to the case. So we're actually combining those two together now and then we're already done. So my life became way easier than in the beginning. Uh, mm -hmm. In the beginning, it was like really searching for, um, yeah, what do we need in order to kind of map how a case goes from like actually, uh, well, from coming in as a complaint, then how it's then is enriched with information from the ones, yeah, the book in the complaint. Uh, so they, 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 these would be in uh, in the case information. Uh, but then if it goes from the um, just being there and kind of booked in to in progress, so if somebody takes on the case and starts to uh, process it, then we need to use like the case history table to see that it changed from uh, ingebooked to um, in progress or the, the date of the complaint into in progress. And again, also case history eventually for that it's being finished. Um, need to have the, the co-worker table uh, that we have within the organization because we need to know who actually handled the case. So I would say there's like seven different tables that we actually needed to tie together in yeah. order to, for us to have from the data side an identifier from a case with information, who handled it, uh, what is it about, and what are the tasks in between from getting it to the complaint coming in to actually uh, being finished. Yeah, okay. And so so you used SQL to, uh, to draw the yes. data directly from the Salesforce system? Uh, yeah, yeah, so um, we, yeah, we tap in, uh, so use this, uh, uh, we use R, uh, we can actually yeah, tap in Salesforce via R mm -hmm. via SQL query to just get the, the tables, the information in. <laughs> yeah, and like one, uh, maybe one like tip that I could give or learning point there is actually in the beginning, uh, put the time slot uh, like 
to a very small um like a, f a very small time slot in a way because otherwise if you still need to tie everything together it doesn't make sense to have like millions of records um in order to make it work if you make it work with for example for one or two or three days then it should also work for three months right so the processing time goes a bit faster yeah. mm -hmm. much easier it makes to, it iterate, to get it right right to get everything yeah, it makes more together. sense to um to find these things and and maybe one thing that pops up to my mind now is actually we uh sometimes we went to the like because uh, we kind of get the data from like the salesforce database or we can also go to salesforce self what, what we can actually see with respect to the case so we could do some checks in between and we did that with the the ones that handling the complaints as well to just see whether we were seeing the same things like on the front end and the back end okay mm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let us know if that answered the question. Um, really, do you think the remaining questions, should we bring them in now or do they fit better later uh, in the session? Yeah, I think we can bring them in later. So some of them are more advanced, right? Kind of the lookout after the initiative, yeah. uh, things you can use. So let me let, let them bring in. So maybe to uh, finish the question for Marcus. So uh, to summarize, you, you used SQL for the extraction, right? And then R for the transformation of the data to put it into the right format, event log format. Yeah, indeed, but we used an SQL query within R. Uh, within so you R, can have yeah. Like an, uh, yeah. If you have an authenticator, then you can make this connection, uh, yeah. like this and, database and, and connection. Do, do we need to then see that you kind of cleanly pulled the table data and then do the transformation in R? Or is it that you run a query and already doing some transformation before no, you are doing other things in R? No. So, and, and this probably has to do with my background. Uh, so I have an academic background, so I'm trained in R. Yeah. Um, and probably would touch upon it this, this point later, uh, but that, that would be my like natural way to do things. Uh, so for me, SQL is just, I use SQL to get an kind of like an export of the data. Yep. And then I will do all my data wrangling transformations in, in, R. in, in R or Python. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that makes it very clear for Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Very good. Now maybe to to come back to the to the path that we were on, looking really at how do we get from this before to this after um, picture. Um, what you um, just told us before was, um, I think, really nicely illustrating how you also had to protect a little bit um, the people on the business side to draw conclusions. And you gave, I think, three nice examples, like some of the conclusions you uh, we, you could draw, for example, things that are not supposed to happen, right? If they happen, of course, you can analyze that and you can Yeah, you can you can interpret that, but because you had to remove so many cases um, which you could not successfully map, you were also lacking data. So, for example, making drawing conclusions about percentages or like general process behavior could be yeah. difficult. But also the other example that you mentioned, like um, timing, if you didn't have the actual time moment of time when something was sent to someone, you couldn't really judge like you know if if they were late Indeed. or something yeah. so there was some yeah, so problems with yeah. with like root cause analysis where where yeah. the causes of the delay yeah if you don't have the information then it's it's a guessing game yes. anybody's guessing game yeah. yes exactly so yeah some things were possible others were not possible and you as the data analyst pr pr protected a little bit the people to let them know what they can already analyze and what not and um so making the clustering was one step but then you 
went one step further to actually improve the data quality because some things couldn't be even mapped or clustered, right? Because it was a lot, but also I think you mentioned that some of them were also not, it was not clear even from the, the text field, like what the meaning was even as afterwards, it was just not, just not possible to classify correctly anymore. So Indeed. what can, you also made some changes then in the actual information systems to improve the data quality in the future. What, what did you do there? Yeah, so uh, we discussed with the with the stakeholders, um, like what what can we do and actually to further improve the data quality. Uh, mm-hmm. And from a data analyst perspective, it's having like this uniform style of data. Um, and if also like from a validity perspective, like do we do we measure what we want to measure? So in a way. Like each activity should tell what actually happened, um, and then we kind of decided upon there are like that many activities that you can do with respect to um, with respect to handling a complaint. So there were actually drawn up like 36 different activities, um, and yeah, this could be like outbound call. This could be like an inbound call. This could be a discussion with the payment uh, department. This could be discussion with the more insurance department. This could be asking for medical advice. This could be a discussion with a coworker, uh, even uh, like a feedback loop. So um, if you look at the whole process, there were actually like 36 activities that one could do. And they would actually en- like kind of encapture everything that one can do with respect to handling a case. Um, so we decided upon these 36 activities and uh, we had the discussion like, okay, it would be very nice to have them like in a uniform format, how can we get this done, right? So uh, people before um, were just putting in notes, were putting in um, tasks, but that's all manual work, right? And we all make mistakes. or So uh, we were asking ourselves like, okay, what can we do? What can actually help us? And what can actually help me as a data anal- analyst? Um, so we decided to actually get in contact with Salesforce, um, so the software provider, that, and to see whether we can have like a drop-down menu uh, in the task table, so to say, where these colleagues could actually just click on, it would just drop down and they could actually click on the activity that they just did. Um, and that actually helped tremendously. And that's actually a bit of a funny story because we had this drop down menu uh, while we still didn't know that you could drop down and then still manually adapt or adjust the entry. Um, <laughs> so colleagues were actually, and it's from, all from like a positive side, they were actually putting in the time at which they did this activity. So they would just click on the menu. It would just drop down and they would say like, for example, outbound call. And then, okay, yeah, 15.35, uh, example. And then press enter, uh, which is not nice, again, from a data analyst perspective, because then we get all this inflation in uh, in how many different activities we get. But that then again, that would be a very easy fix because if the first or the, the first and second name of an activity, uh, we could cluster them easily, uh, but still. So that, that there was this, uh, and I think that's normal to just have like this 
period of time where people are adapting to a new like reality of how they should document what they are doing with respect to a case um, that just takes time for it to be yeah, hopefully near perfect, but uh, to actually uh, have like a good flow there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah. So for me, that was actually nice to have uh, that we, we were able to have this technical change kind of in place that really helps. I think both my colleagues at the complaint department, as well as, well, my colleagues at the at the analytics department. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like a mix of a technical change and a little bit of training, right? So people had to learn that you it's help you think it's helpful, but um, actually we have the timestamp automatically recorded. You don't have to put in the time manually; just select yeah. it and don't add anything to it. So yeah, indeed, and I think I think uh, so. In this case, uh, the the stakeholders that were. Well, on this journey from the beginning onwards. Uh, so Nadine and Eric, they made like these presentations for all the co-workers to show, okay, this is the new reality. We're going to um, kind of log or document the things we do this particular way for this reason. Uh, there was like this this um, quality handbook being built and handed out uh, amongst the co-workers to say, okay, this is the, the, the new reality, the, the kind of like quality standard that we uh, yeah, that we are actually going to put into place uh, there were some like quality coaches being appointed so people actually looking over the shoulders to see if everything is going right um, and that helped tremendously but then still we need to do some uh, like iterative sessions with respect to I would check for a particular time frame for example uh, uh, November to see okay how is it going now and then in December how is it going now and you would actually see this number of different activities so in the beginning we have 12,000 and then with all the clustering 3,000 uh, we just did it did it in January uh, that was the one like the after you just showed Anna um, we had 50 different activities Well, we have the 36 in place, right? So there's only like a difference of 14 uh, that are not like 100% uh, overlapping with the 36, uh, but they, they were easily uh, being clustered again. So we almost have like full, like the, the full picture of the process, how it is going now. So, uh, and for some people, uh, some coworkers that were used to put it into notes It was a very big change because they had to go to like a different place where they put their activity in the task table. Uh, others were already doing that, but it's just like a small adaptation with respect to uh, how they should actually put it in uh, and maybe like a small difference in how they would word it. Uh, so now, for example, it's like telephone outgoing. Uh, others would say like outbound call or calling client. Uh, now it's just like outgoing telephone and that should be clear for everybody because we have this um these 36 activities in place with a column that actually describes what it is so it should be clear now for everybody um yeah what an activity is actually yeah, what, what it entails yeah, yeah. so there, there is another question uh from uh, nick <coughs> nick is uh, asking if you also had redundant items so, for example, if you see an outgoing email or an incoming email, that you also have the actual email, right? So then you have two items kind of happening at the same time. Yeah, so example. did you need to deal with these redundant items and how did you deal with it? 
Um, so uh, let me see to get it clear. Um, so you're saying, really, if an email comes in, mm-hmm. um, and then like a complaint email? Yeah, so you can have the logging of the email, right? So the person uses one of the 36 items and then says, ah, yeah. uh, I have received an email or incoming email. And then yeah. you have the physical email maybe as part of the CRM system or maybe in a physical email box, right? And that also has a timestamp. And yeah. the question now is, two of them are recording kind of the same event. Uh, yeah. So do you see that as a redundant item or? Um, um, or? Yeah, so it, it doesn't happen that much because we, we also have like this contact moment type of um, uh, like table uh, where, for example, uh, the contact moments between like VGZ and a client are being registered. Uh, so you could say like, if I make a call, I could have like this outbound call should be there with a timestamp. Um, uh, so we can use that as a control mechanism to see uh, what the overlap is between people actually putting in in the task table like outbound call and then whether it corresponds with like a physical one. Um, so that's like more of a control mechanism uh, mm-hmm. to see. Uh, and I would say like there, if, if it's up to a particular standard, then like leave it as it is. Um, and that also depends on like where you want to improve in the progress, right? Uh, in the process, right? So if it's definitely an hypothesis about like outbound calls, then do this check. Check also the other table where we have like the factual data that is not manually put in there, but just automatically the systems. Uh, I would say then do a check or use that one. Um, but we did encounter it in, in some instances. Um, but then we, I think mostly I... Uh, handle these type of things in Disco itself, eventually. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just see and then yeah. filter out a particular path. Then I say, look, okay, yeah, this should never happen. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things what you could do, for example, is uh, you can filter on one particular or a group of activities, right? So using uh, the activity filter and then uh, look for all activities that happen after each other with uh, a very limited amount of time. Eh? So within five minutes, for example, Indeed. to find yeah. these these groups. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you just remove some of these redundant activities, then you don't lose any cases, right? You're yeah. just losing some events, but yeah. you have yeah. the full represent- representativeness for the for the cases. Yeah. Oh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, maybe it's a good time to show then also how much you could sim- simplify uh, by making these changes. So first from the clustering to after the actual system change in Salesforce, where you introduce this drop-down list with the predefined activities, yeah. how that yeah, before and after looks like for your data extraction, right? So maybe yeah. let me let me know when you can see my screen again. So I can see the yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah, so we had this very start, complex starting point, which is, like we said, only a a portion of the of the full reality and you got it to this uh, picture and this is now the picture with, which you mentioned which has a little bit more than the 36 but they could be interpreted yeah indeed yes so that's after the change uh, where you yeah. had the, the salesforce change yeah made. i think this this one is somewhere from november and then uh, all the way back to beginning of the summer yeah yeah. Okay. So it's really after the the technical yeah. change was made, um, and then yeah, as, as we saw, just the January and uh, January comparison. But yeah, looking from the data side, right? So before, when you were doing the clustering, um, so you sent us just a snippet of uh, of your yeah your data. Um, 
definition over here. And yeah, we can see it's in Dutch, right? But um, for those of you who can read some of those items, you see that there's very similar names. For example, mevrouw um, gesproken, meneer gesproken, which is I talk, talk to the women, I talk to the to the men, right? Um, in different versions. So, so that's these kind of mappings, right? That you were talking about that you had to make. Indeed, yeah. So this. These uh, nodes could all be clustered to the activity, like telephone outgoing, because um, it's just about like calling. Yeah. Uh, I have called, um, voicemail, these type of things. So it, this, this all indicates that there was some type of like outbound call to a client. Yeah, mm. yeah. exactly. So. And, and how, how does it work? It's part of the name, right? So you are looking for part of the text in the uh, yeah, in the yeah and, and indeed, yes. Yeah, and there's also some are these some some expressions like uh, regular expressions with the BGB or is that? Yeah, and th that has to do with some uh, with how some things are actually uh, from like the data mm -hmm. side how they come out. Uh, okay. So sometimes we need to kind of handle these particular cases. Yeah. yeah. So this is just one piece which is mapping all kinds of different patterns onto this outbound call right which is in the last uh, row uh, yeah. what it is all mapped to and also what we can see here so at the at the no let me go one back uh, we can see also in the end when you wrote the the file you had yeah. 636 rows of code basically right to to make the transformation where afterwards it's only a little bit more than 100 so yeah it's 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 way reduced um, also the Yeah, your own code for the data extraction. Indeed, yeah. No, for sure. And also the, the complexity of things or the uh, potential mistakes you can make along the way or miss out on some things because uh, it's now like way more automated uh, and we need less different tables to kind of combine. Yeah. Um, so this definitely helps. Um, and this definitely helps in the whole process now because if I get a question like, how are we doing at the moment with respect to like logging or documenting the activities? Of course, you can always, the, the script is there, so you can rerun the script, but this makes it a bit more easy because now I only have to do it for like a couple of tables just to, to adapt, for example, the, the date and time. Um, yeah, so the, also from a data analytics perspective, this definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah, great. So I think it's yeah, it's a very stark contrast that we see both for the pictures, but also for the data, yeah. for the data piece. Now, yeah, you've made the system change, but I'm curious maybe to talk a little bit more about also the the organi organizational change that had to go along with it. So were there people also who were resistant to this new way of working, like having to choose from the drop down list who were kind of working against that or? Uh, yes, uh, but but again, uh, I, I, I was kind of, in a way, kind of protected because um, in, in a working group, I would say no uh, with all these sessions that we had throughout time. Mm -hmm. um, but the the stakeholders that were definitely try to make this whole project a success, they had to get like everyone on board, um, and they they actually had like one on one talks as well because. Um, From a perspective of, again, like from a perspective of someone who handles all the cases, then if I document it, then it's documented, right? So we can still re re, uh, uh, reverse engineer what is actually happening. So why should I change the way I put in what I do now at a different location and have to give like different maybe 
for a particular person more ambiguous name to it or whatever it is. So, uh, yes, they experience. So I, I asked them, they experience some resistance, uh, not a lot, um, but you just have to explain what we are trying to do here. Um, and what I got from them is that eventually, uh, kind of everybody is on board because they are very happy to hear that we kind of want to uh, make the process simpler. Um, and try to kind of figure out where we can make it simpler, try to figure out where we can make it more efficient, where we can improve. Um, and I would say that's something people like to hear, right? So mm-hmm. if we can make mm-hmm. things simpler, faster, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and if then the cost is to kind of document what you're doing somewhere else, yeah. 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 So, so I can imagine, right? So, if you're doing the analysis at first and start to cluster these activities, there's less. There's not a lot of impact on the process yet, right? But then you start to draw this conclusion to kind of simplify and then say, ah, we have these 36 uh, groups, and then you start yeah. implementing a change. So that kind of changed the way of working, right? So then yeah. there's no. There, there starts to become a new situation. There's no way back when you start doing it definitely. This. Uh, yeah, so, so did you also see a change um, from your sure. role, how people kind of react to that and how they were able to kind of powder through, right? So because uh, you have yeah. to push through, it's easy way to kind of step back and kind of be in the resistance mode and say, yeah, I'm not doing this, right? And then try yeah. to put yeah, your yeah. foot down. Um, but eventually, uh, if you want to make it better, then of course, yeah, you have to go through the change uh, and then kind of try to do it all together uh, to make it better. So how, how does it work in this scenario? Um, yeah, first of all, Rudy, I think that there's like this tremendous change visible also in how the process is actually uh, being done. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at like the January 23 slash 24 picture, for example, because like there was this revival of uh, what we here call like seven up model. Uh, mm-hmm. So we want to have if a complaint comes in that we have contact with the client because uh, we want to hear what they have to say um, and hopefully kind of get rid of the complaint all together right away but yeah. otherwise you would get like more information you hear them um, and you can act upon this like new information that you have um, and if we look at like the, the 23 then uh, it was not always there like the outbound call and the, the ones, uh, like the more process owners, they want to have these outbound calls more in the beginning. So that's definitely a change that you, that you see. Um, and I think uh, what helped like powering through in a way is that in a way we made a lot of like process maps uh, mm-hmm. with the same settings and kind of uh, showed everybody the process, the, like the, the, yeah, the, the process along the way mm-hmm. in a way. So I would say like you, you really, really need to celebrate like small victories. <laughs> yeah. And every time one activity pops off the screen, it's a victory because it becomes a bit simpler to uh, to interpret in a way. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that, that Maybe, definitely helps in, in kind of powering through, I would say. Yeah, yeah just before we go further, I wanted to go back, we go back to the 20, uh, 2023-2024 map. So you mentioned we can see it in this map, like the difference from one year to one year later. Is it? Are you talking about the light blue activity here on the right side? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, so it's a little bit small, right? But is that an, what activity was that? And did it not take place before and later yeah, I in, think it, in the process? So that's 
Antwoord en dan I think the one below the light blue, because uh, and they're close and that's actually they're they close together mm. in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something we have to change. Well, so sometimes there's like the outbound call and then they formulate the answer. Yeah. Uh, other times they have the answer and then you have the outbound call because you have the answer to actually inform the client, right? So these are oftentimes uh, interchanged. So we have to set it in a way. I can either set it as antwoord then outbound call or the other way around so uh, otherwise you would get like this yeah this difference already uh, and it doesn't matter in a way so that's also what we get from like the domain experts in a way if this doesn't matter okay then we can tweak it that it's simple to interpret because it's kind of in the same step mm-hmm. in a way yeah. Um, so yeah if, if you look at the um, the performance indicator timing then there's no timing difference between these mm-hmm. two steps Um, but especially like the the one underneath the light blue one, like the outbound call, that's that's something we want as Vegas had to have like yeah. these outbound calls. They are not visible or less visible in the in the left picture because they are there, uh, but they are still scattered around with different naming mm-hmm. of the outbound call. Uh, so even after clustering, it's not one of the major steps. So that's alarming uh, in a way. Um, But again, then then you come back to we might have missed out on a lot of like yeah you can't like say notes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you showed the code like we had ten lines or ten different versions of what could actually be an outbound call, but we still missed out on something. So mm. yeah, you have to be a bit careful there. So um, I discussed with the stakeholders like the the data quality kind of goes hand in hand with. For example, reviving the seven up or looking at the process and see like, okay, are we doing okay? Uh, where do we need to improve? So that's like a nice hand in hand situation yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, maybe just briefly re- reflecting back on what you answered um, to um, really before, like in this change process, right? I, I understood you as a data analyst, it's not your role to actually make this organizational change happen. You have to change coaches for that who are supporting with the handbook, right? Working with the people and the process managers and all you mentioned before, but by visualizing the progress, right? Step by step and yeah, celebrating the the successes on the way, you, you also made a contribution in that journey, like in your role as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I think for me, one of the the learning points uh, that I that I take from this whole project uh, would actually be to to show like the colleagues uh, the process map because uh, it's it, it it's like improving every time we showed it along the way, um, and yeah, then it becomes clear what we are improving. Uh, that they are actually the ones on the input side, so they're very important for the picture to be nice uh, and interpretable um, and I would say like maybe even you can say it, it kind of becomes like a game right every time I show every time I show up like every month like did they reach a new level of like simpleness with respect to the data and what the, what the process is showing um, so that definitely keeps people on board I would say yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so so there was was another question, yes. right? So we are looking at the process itself, right? And we can see the steps, we can see the yeah. deviations, we can see the initial complexity, which is being reduced. 
but from a process point of view, another um, another way to look at it is is kind of uh, can you prevent or what happens upstream, right? So often, if you look at the process, this complaints process is maybe uh, the result of something else happening somewhere else in the process, right? Uh, you were talking for about sure. the dentist, for, sure. for example. Eh? So yeah, uh, they yeah, complain yeah. about the bill of the dentist, for example, but something went wrong with the bill, the invoice, and they uh, complaining about because they didn't get a good question. So did you also to take a look at the classification of where these complaints were coming from and yeah. how they are related upstream? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's uh, what we started with. I would say like it's very rich data, um, and it, it could be data about like simple things, but it could also be insights with respect to other internal processes. Because, um, uh, for example, uh, changing your insurance from year, one year to the other, uh, it could be that we get a lot of complaints with respect to when it becomes visible in their application, for example. That's very valuable insight because it has to do with like an internal process that uh, if somebody requests a change for in their insurance, how fast do we actually process that change and then make it visible for our clients in an online environment, for example. So mm -hmm. that's also why we use it, right? So that there's like this nice connection between uh, like the, the complaints data that says something about the process that we yeah, internally have. Uh, things could be too slow, um, could be vague. People could complain about like, I don't know what is happening from A to Z. Um, so we make it visible, for example, in, in a particular environment. Uh, so that, that that's definitely helpful. Yeah, yeah that's definitely yeah. helpful. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's also included as part of the process. So you're looking at the inner workings of the process and try to simplify, yeah. optimize that, but also, uh, again, take a look at upstream. Uh, where do we see uh, these complaints are coming from yeah. and can we fix uh, the issue in the long term? And that, that's the additional information that we get with each complaint, right? Because we know where they're from. Um, mm. We, we know where they are about because um, the ones that actually book in the complaints, they actually read it and they put like a subject and cause to it. Uh, and next to that, as an analytics team, we're actually looking at the what I said in the beginning, people can actually have the complaint and then what they expect from us. And they're both open text fields. So we can apply some like natural language processing, like text mm -hmm. mining. We can kind of bottom up. Um, kind of figure out what are like hidden themes within each complaint. And then based on the fact that the one who books it in has like the, the subject and cause in place, we can filter on subject. And for example, see, okay, everything that has to do with uh, reimbursements, what are people talking about? What are they complaining about? That's something we yeah, we can do as an analytics team. We just look at the, the hidden themes that are in all these complaints. Because then you kind of go systematically through them instead of just picking out a couple of them, reading them, and based on like mm -hmm. an N of five or 15 or 50, whatever it is, it's very labor intensive. You have to do it like that. Um, so there are yeah, okay. things in place mm -hmm. that could help uh, us did there. Did you yeah. enrich the data by making categories that you added as an additional attribute or something in the data so that you could um, filter on it again in Disco, for example? Uh, no, yeah. So we, uh, no, uh, that was just in binding the the different tables together. Um, mm. So we we wanted to know um, uh, like who actually handled the case, these type of things. Because in the original data, it's just like numbers. Um, so we had to figure out how to get these numbers back to like name to know who did what, and then um, and that's also from like the stakeholders' perspective. Then they could check. 
um, and more on a team type of base improvement or suggestions because mm-hmm. uh, it could be well that one team actually follows the process how it is designed while another team slacks a bit in for example the outbound calls then we can make it visible now so that's that's a bit of enriching the data yes and no mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. yeah okay maybe information from different right. tables one other question from the chat uh, maybe we can pick up quickly is um, Willem is asking if the change, the system change that you made with Salesforce, if that was done together with the functional maintenance colleagues. And, and I imagine it has to be, right? It's not something that the data analytics team does by themselves, but you... Yeah, I think so. so I was not involved in the in the actual change or mm. the correspondence with the the the, uh, the one, like the account manager from Salesforce uh, or the, the functional... Um, part there um, so my discussion ended together with the stakeholders from the complaint department like what should we do it was more like a dream at that stage like oh it would be really nice to have this and then i was like okay let's check whether we can get this wh- whether we can get this uh yeah whether we can get this to work so uh they called around and so that's also sometimes where uh not my jurisdiction ends but where my yeah kind of influence ends or um Yeah, we discussed it together, uh, and I would say like more from like an organic or natural flow that they did that because they're involved more with Salesforce and filling out all these things. I'm more like getting the data out of uh, out of Salesforce, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine that that it, that they were involved. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe one additional question now. For the uh, for the analysis now that you have the the improved data, uh, where you actually are more confident, right, to make uh, analysis based on that because you're not missing a lot of data, you don't have to remove many things. So were you then able to to answer all these questions from the beginning, where you actually were hesitant initially, for example, with respect to um, where there was this um, yeah gut feeling about yeah the the colleagues from a certain department being late could you then actually look at when did they receive the request and do some time measurements how yeah. how did that go yeah i think we, we're actually now in a, in a stage where we like each session that we come together kind of pick on one theme to look at um whether that would be like for instance like two th- Uh, two sessions ago, like more the outbound calls could be like next one would be more about the medical advice when they come in. Uh, so we're now at the stage where we say, look, okay, let's sit together. Let's look at the process uh, with a particular like question in mind and, and go through the different, well, yeah, the, the, the different scenarios in a way. Because uh, as Rudy mentioned in the beginning, we have different type of complaints. We have different, um, uh, uh, like different um, subjects. Products. So yeah, we we could all filter on these and see like what is happening with respect to the question in mind. So whether that would be like medical advice or whether that would be whether outbound call is like the second step in the process or whatever it is. So um, yeah, that, that that's really nice that we can just sit together, have a process. What I said, like uh, we don't have to delete anything anymore or omit. We're not omitting anything. Mm-hmm. So we're actually now looking at the full process. As it yeah, as it emerges in a way, uh, which yeah, in my opinion, is the, the, the like the the main uh, power of like process mining, right? Yeah. That we're not omitting anything and just see how it actually in real life works. Yeah, yes. And maybe a related question from also from the chat from Eric, uh, who's asking whether you also discovered some 
some patterns that you maybe didn't look for, that you didn't see, uh, that you didn't yeah, have the question in advance about, but for example, that certain requests were always rooted to one person or, you know, certain types of patterns that revealed themselves yeah. in the analysis. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about like one particular pattern that popped up, but then again, uh, there is, that's where I would say either like a data analyst that has a background in, in uh, complaints or otherwise sitting together with like the domain experts. Uh, so that really helps me uh, to just show um, yeah, to, to show the process and now have like this good process in place where we do not omit anything because uh, what came to mind was like a lot of like discussions before um, actually an outbound call uh, these type of things because if I get the like the, the more design process like the VSM type then there's like this outbound call is The first step you take if you start handling the case, and that was still not in the process map. So, um, yeah, these things just yeah show themselves in a way. So that's surprising. Mm -hmm. And then you ask around, like, okay, what's happening? And then you hear back, like, okay, that's an internal discussion. Some people want to have a discussion with a colleague about the complaint before they call the client. So they are really like informed before they can actually talk to the client. Um, well, others would say like, just call then, hear what they have to say, use this additional information for a discussion with a colleague or with a different department, for instance. So uh, these things, yeah, just emerge, are patterns that emerge if you uh, if you map the data. So you, yeah, we are talking here about the role of the data analyst, right? Uh, so the data analyst is kind of a term or at least a term for which you frame that you feel comfortable uh, with or what your current role is in, in the organization. Um, so my question is kind of how do you frame your role, right? So what's part of it, but what do you also see is not part of it anymore, right? So we see different type of roles using process mining from process managers to Lean Six Sigma type of roles to process analysts, for example. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so if you see the role of a, of a data analyst and, um, uh, and if you see the role of a process analyst, for example, how, how, where do you kind of see the distinction between them? And, and, and what kind of things are you then taking in Uh, as part of your activities, but what is kind of out of scope for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, the, the the main distinction would be maybe more on the like really the data side of things and uh, data mm -hmm. quality uh, mm -hmm. side of things, um, like being knowledgeable about um, like what uh, what it means to omit some data, for example. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, having the discussions with the stakeholders about what data quality is, how we can actually get there. Um, so what steps, yeah, how would I like to see the data coming in, in a way? Uh, and there's like this bit of like gray area, of course, because then yeah, you're in discussion like, okay, how can we get this done? What, what do we need? Uh, but then I would say it's like beyond my... Uh, borders in a way to actually think about okay what are the steps that we're going to take with all the uh, colleagues that are working on these complaints to have them document the steps they're doing like correctly 
anymore. So, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Then where I come in is just like more than on the check side of things to just check, hey, are they, um, are we on a good path in a way? So are the, the amount of like activities, uh, we started from 12,000, what are they now? What are they now? What are they now? And also uh, figuring out, and that's more like the analyst, like where is the problem? Uh, so if we have, for example, uh, still 3,000 activities, what is like the common theme, for example, in the activity? So where does it go wrong? Um, these type of things, I would say, is more like the role of the analyst. Um, and because then, yeah, I'm not like 100% like process analyst because mm -hmm. we really need the, the domain expertise as well to figure out, okay, what is going on? Where can we improve? Um, so it's more like an explorative way of like mapping what is happening in a particular process. And of course, asking the, uh, yeah, asking questions about what, uh, what I think is weird in the process or what is surprising to me, these type of things, because it doesn't matter which process map you show, you can always say something, right? Like yeah. this seems odd or. Uh, it could, could even be a question like, why is this so straightforward from A to Z, right? It's not supposed to happen or so. Um, yeah, so if you frame it, then uh, you, f you feel, or at least the activities which are part of this is the data extraction, right? Very yeah. clearly. Maybe the scoping of the data part. So what type of data, where does the data come from? Then do the extraction, then do the cleaning and the preparation. And yeah. then... If I talk here about cleaning in the data stage, it means missing values, uh, understanding what the data actually means, uh, identifying the case at time submit activity to create an event block. Yeah. Um, and then you start importing it into a process mining tool, right? Uh, and then start interpreting. So then we enter kind of the gray area where you still need to I be agree. involved because we are still looking at data and we're still making sense of it, right? But we're also entering the anal analysis a little bit because um, for the missing values, you can say, yeah, it should be there or it shouldn't be there. But if you look at context of the process, then you add domain knowledge, right? Also to validate the data. So is yeah. it still part? Do you see it part of... Uh, your data analyst work or is that already yes. kind of crossing the boundary? Yeah, no, no, I would say yes. And that, that has more to do with something we touched upon earlier, like kind of protecting what we can say about what we can say about the process with respect to the data that we have uh, so that we do not jump to conclusions that we cannot make or um, that we're actually zooming in on something that we still need to figure out via another way. So I would say a data analyst there should still be involved for these type mm -hmm. of um, well insights. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it's rephrase the insights. question. Um, do you need to have domain knowledge in order to do that test or is it a logical test? So, so for example, I'm loading in the, the, the process map and it's bogus, so it doesn't make any yeah. sense. So something went wrong with the data preparation. Or does it go further and that you really uh, look, for example, already at the process map existing or even consult the domain expert in order to uh, yeah, make sense out of it, uh, whether or not the quality is good enough? Yeah, I would say I would say the the, the last option you you give yeah, here. Okay. Really. So yeah. um, just get in contact with domain experts because on your own it might be very hard to map all these things or cluster all these things. Uh, and I would say that, yeah, 
I would probably say if, if you take your hands off it, then nothing will change, right? So it's also, yeah. Yeah. it's a bit of a gray area, but you need to do it like together, hand in hand, because uh, they're the ones at the beginning of this whole chain of like data quality. They're actually putting in what they are doing. Um, so they should be on board. Um Okay, then, then, then let me rephrase the question. So could it also be, is it possible that you are not involved in that part of the process? So that you say, I do the data preparation and maybe look at the data, wink it a little bit and then kind of hand it over and then not be involved anymore. Would that be um, possible? I would say that that's m might be possible in some cases, but that, that makes it very, very hard. Very hard. Yeah, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. yeah. yeah, Probably you need some yeah some knowledge also about like data quality and uh, then eventually in these talks yeah that that helps I think if I would ask they, they definitely uh, would enjoy my perspective on things as well mm. um, I wouldn't say they would get like totally lost but then maybe the essence of like having this uniform format of documenting what they are doing would then be a bit more lost yeah. probably. Yeah. So that means that you are becoming more of a process analyst a little bit, and maybe the process analyst becomes more of a data analyst, right? In in these type of scenarios, yeah. yeah. yeah so you have an overlap, and we're moving uh, towards yeah. each other, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's nice that we are coming back to this theme of your role as the the data analyst, and maybe that's also something we can maybe close with to. Yeah, think a little bit more about the lessons that you learned, right? So in your job as a data analyst, one you already mentioned, like um, that you yeah celebrate successes yeah. and victories on the way. Were there other learning points that you took out of this experience? Um, yeah, one, one for me is uh, definitely like an eye opener uh, in a sense, like normally I would always done like things in either like Python or R uh, and then show that output. Um, But if you're in like a session with stakeholders and share your screen and it's like this coding, uh, for some people, they might be uh, either distracted or scared by it and kind of turn on off by it. So they're not on board anymore. Yeah. Um, and I figured out like showing in a way like the, the disco process map, uh, it's easy on the eyes. It's yeah, if, if the process looks quite straightforward, it's also like becomes way more interpretable um, than just numbers or anything. So that definitely helped throughout this whole process that even though the first map was like a crazy, uh, yeah, wild <laughs> with a lot of activities, uh, something you cannot interpret, that we had this picture in place towards the end. And then actually it was still like the same snapshot over and over and over again with small adjustments in the right correction or in the right um, the right direction so uh, that's definitely a learning point for me also moving forward uh, that i would way more or way faster um, show like the, the process map even though it might still be ugly in a way because um, it it relates to a lot of people and especially the ones that are in the process themselves or working in the process themselves. Uh, so that's definitely a learning point for me. Um, then I had like upfront, because uh, you get questions along the way, uh, or um, you need to push back on, for example, what conclusions can we actually draw from the data? Uh, some sort of like definition of done, uh, where I would say as a data analyst, okay, now I'm actually kind of like standing 
behind the data and say like this data is correct we can actually interpret it now have conclusions and again we, we i said it before that depends a bit on uh uh, so in the definition of done, there was like a bit of like completeness of the data. So how much do we omit? Um, accuracy, so a bit of like validity. Are these these activities that we see are actually, is that actually what they are doing? That type of check. Uh, and then third, there was like consistency of, um, of the map in a way, because um, if it changes from time to time, then there's a high variability, then you almost need like all the data, like 100% of the data, because um, otherwise, like a, a smaller sample would suffice if it's uh, if it's like always a consistent pattern. Um, so that's something we did, um, and yeah, and again, I think uh, like showing the map and it kind of becomes like a a game of like improving, like each time we are looking at the process. Yeah, working interactively in the in the workshop, yeah. right, with the subject yeah. matter experts. Indeed, yeah, yeah and that, that that always triggers, like every session triggers a different question, which is like homework for me to figure out again, and then, so that that's really fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. From the from the data analyst perspective, do we have have we discussed everything, or really were were there any other views that we wanted to take on this? No, I, I think it goes through the whole process and cycle of a data analyst, yeah. right? So what kind of challenge you can encounter. Yeah. And it was a really nice example, right, to see what kind of complexity you can deal with. Well, this complexity can be simplified in a certain way and it can be done in different ways, right? So you already showed it and you can do it in the data itself, but you can also go to the process and then change the way how things are being recorded in order to simplify. So that's very nice to see that. Yeah. There are multiple ways in order yeah, to get there um, and get the result and yeah, that you can make impact, right? So that's often the goal, what you want to achieve. And here yeah, yeah. you see that they are changing, right? So you can give them a positive result. So that's very, very nice to see yeah. in this example. Yeah. yeah, that's a really nice example. Yes. Yeah, thanks a lot for sharing that. Um, yeah, looking at the chat, um, I think... Um, so some of the questions are maybe they would warrant uh, a whole uh, own cafe session, for example. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Marcos is asking, will the use of AI change the way we'll deal with complaints? Um, so maybe that's uh, a whole separate topic. I think Tina is asking about data quality, but we discussed it uh, quite a bit. So maybe she came in a little bit later. We will um, publish the recording yeah, next week or the week thereafter at the latest. So you can all uh, watch it back. But yeah, maybe if you want to give us a a brief outlook like is there any future plans do you are you doing more process mining in the future what are the next steps for you and your your team yeah i i definitely think so because um we're kind of moving towards having a more like outwards in perspective from a, like a customer journey type of perspective hmm. uh customers are like in contact with us many times a day on different <laughs> channels uh, for example on the website on uh, with respect to live chat telephone uh, app, and we actually have an award-winning app uh, which they also use to get in contact with us to get information um, and each time they come in contact with us we kind of now uh, document like the contact reason so why they are in contact with us what are they trying to figure out so we have all these business rules if you're looking for example at a particular page in the app then we know, uh, kind of know what you're looking for. So we document this and uh, they're all part of sometimes like a customer journey. So a customer journey could, for example, be, I want to change 
the way I'm insured from one year to another. That's like a macro journey. Uh, and there are like all contact reasons from beginning to end of that journey. Um, so that's more the outward in perspective. And if they are at the end of the journey, they could get a questionnaire, they give us feedback. And this feedback, of course, again, Rudy, yeah, already touched upon this point, right? So, but then with the complaints, but this is like more of a um, proactive type of asking for feedback. So it's not a complaint, but just feedback. So sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's a bit, a bit yeah. more negative, uh, sometimes it's neutral. Uh, and we analyze this also like sentiment uh, behind what they are saying and also like hidden themes, but they all are part of like internal processes, right? So if you mm -hmm. want to change your insurance from one year to the other, then you could either do it for example, asking it on the telephone, you could do it yourself in, in an application, you could do it on the website. Uh, it maybe have like different outcomes with respect to how uh, satisfied customers are with respect to the, the question I send out. So we can check then the internal processes and kind of uh, see whether, for example, if something comes in from the website that we actually uh, process it way faster and have it more have it visible for the customer faster than via the application, for example. And that might be the reason why uh, uh, customers doing it via channel A are more satisfied than via channel B. So it really becomes like more emerged from the outside in perspective and looking at our internal processes to actually explain where we can actually service our customers better. Um, mm -hmm. to have like this good customer experience. So that, that's definitely a way, like a pathway that we're moving into. Um, so yeah, it becomes ever more um, important for us to do yeah. this. And also to see how they go from channel to channel. Because uh, th that could also be an, uh, an indication. So if you have a particular question and you go to the, app, to the app and then you go to the website and then you still call, then it might yeah. be an indication like, the easy process based on like identifier of a customer that they're there, then they're there, then they're there with the same question. Then it might be an indication that the app or the website doesn't suffice in giving the information that the customer needs. So they still need to call. And yeah, yeah. you'd rather not have that because that, that takes time, money. So, uh, and also from like the customer uh, perspective, if they're looking for something, you want to have like this first time right, right? So you want to have to service them. So that, that's also what we're looking into, how they're actually moving from channel to channel with respect to what they're actually looking for. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Great example. Yes. Now, of course, that's definitely one of the also really interesting use cases for process mining, this customer journey analysis. We have done a cafe about that in the past and I'm sure really right, we will do another we'll one. We'll do another one. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, I think I think that's it for today. Thanks a lot for coming on and for sharing um, this interesting project and really taking us through the stages of how this looks like as a data analyst and yeah, all the, the ins and outs. I think we, we all learned a lot from that. So yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me on and, uh, and be able to share this story. Great. Thank you. Very welcome. Yes, and thanks to all of you for, for watching, for joining us, um, sharing your questions. For the great questions. Yes. Yeah, great yeah. questions. Yes, thank you all. And we see each other again for the next Prosmoney Cafe next month. And then we are going to talk about HR processes, human resources processes. See you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.